The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly, authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. It looks like someone's got into the quality street before Christmas, Hamish. Alan? Alan, how many have you eaten? Quite a few. (laughs) Quite a few. Are they meant to be for me? Yeah, they were meant for you. (laughs) They were a gift. A pre-Christmas gift. They were on sale at Coles, yeah. So I bought them for you. But Alan snuck in there and shamefully eaten some of them. see he's left the wrappers between here and his car, like evidence. Yeah, he's taken the sellotape off the edge. (laughs) He got into the into the box and snuck out the caramel kegs. I don't know why we like him. I don't know why we like no. him either, really, quite honestly. How are you, Hamish? I'm great, thank you. I had a very exciting day yesterday, which was in response to last week's challenge. I did my first ever sound healing session. Yes, Hamish went to see my sister Louise, who the listeners would know has been on the podcast. She's been sober for 23 years and she is now a sound healer. Lou Vanstone, if you want to yeah. look her up. She doesn't like being called a sound healer. She goes, she's a musician. Sound yes, healing okay. is, is, is one string on her bow. Okay. But it was, I kind of feel like the challenges are being categorised. So there are the challenges like free hugs which are like getting out of your comfort zone same with the dancing one and then we've got more kind of self-helpy ones yes so breath work uh, yes. ice baths this was very much in that realm all things that would help on your sobriety path that, that's yeah, the point that's the yeah. logic isn't it yeah um and it was fascinating so the situation is you arrive at our house which is like in the wilderness it's beautiful it's like proper Australian hinterland. It felt like I was in a in a forest. And you go into the room and she lays me down. I've got a cover over me. She puts her headphones on my ears. She speaks in a language that kind of sounds like Lion King. So there are soundscapes and every now and then she might pick up a flute and then she's sort of speaking in tongues, really. There was a, I think she said speaking the language of light. I think that's what it's called. Okay. And the first half of it, I felt like I was completely out of my body, but not in the way that we experienced doing breath work. Mm. Breath work, I feel like you're out of your body and you're consciously aware of what you're experiencing. I felt like I was completely separate to my body. I feel like I was in the (laughs) sweet spot between sleep and awake. Right. So I sort of came to 
And I realized, God, I've, I've been elsewhere, but I don't know where, and I wasn't in control of it at all. And then the second half of it, thoughts started coming into my brain. So, right. oh, I feel like I've been here too long. I need to pick up these things for lunch. And these yeah. are things I need to All those thoughts <laughs> came into my mind, yeah. all the usual stuff. And I tried to have that sort of meditative approach of, that's okay, I'm just having those thoughts, let it leave, let yeah. it go. But then I had this real big sense, and this was interesting to me, of the gift that this was. So it's not often you think about the work that someone is doing to you during something like this. You know, when you have a massage, you don't think, God, they are really putting the work in here. Like, this is such a, an offering to yeah. me. They're really grafting to make this the best experience possible. Yeah. Or, the, or the, you know, the chef does when you eat a meal. You never think, oh, the chef. And I really felt this sense of like, gosh, she is really trying her hardest to make this the best possible thing for me. And I felt really happy and, and really grateful. grateful for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's it was, nice. It was an interesting wave to have. But yeah, it was, it was fascinating. Wow, I should get her to do it. She hasn't done one on me. Yeah, she I've done it. No, she's done a few things on me in the past, like various sort of healing processes. And there was something with a drum. And But, you know, I'm not very woo-woo, Hamish. Yeah. I find it really difficult to get into that state of mind. I've got like a real science brain. I have to be shown something to believe mm. it. And that sort of thing I do find really hard. But I, I am up to saying yes to more things. You so did I will give work. it a go. You are now I know, I did do it. I did do it. And I did enjoy it. I am a bit woo. I'm going a bit woo-wee. Yeah. Woo-wee-woo. <laughs> I won't feel shame over those things, Hamish, because that's what we're talking about today, isn't it? Absolutely. The shame shed, everybody. Welcome to the shed of shame. (laughs) I feel like Alan would be captain of the shame shed. Yes, he is. Yeah, I'm sure he's got more shame stories than most of us all put together. Today we're talking about shame. It's a subject that lollops alongside any form of addiction, of course. It buzzes around problem drinkers like an annoying mosquito. Shame feeds addiction. It bites down when you're hungover and digs its heels in when you realise you're drinking more than normal. Shame not only leads people to having more serious issue with alcohol, it also isolates them because they're embarrassed to let their consumption get out of control and it's a messy and humiliating cycle. Shame has so many side effects. It causes individuals to develop low self-esteem, can make people feel the need to hide their emotions or aspects of their personality and disconnects people from their family and friends. It can also cause people to attempt to drown out negative self-talk with various substances, exasperate depression and anxiety and lead to more serious health issues. Oh yes, you didn't know really when we talk about shame that there's so much It's heavy, isn't it? It's difficult even to say in that sentence. It's making me feel quite upset. (laughs) Shame is often why people don't reach out for the support they badly need and deserve because they feel mortified about their drinking. Then the issue carries on in secret. The drinking habit gets missed and in the end, like that pesky mozzie bite, alcohol becomes an itch that's impossible to not scratch and addiction seeps under the skin like a nasty infection. Oh, gosh, you make it sound horrible, Vic. Thanks. That was my, that is my aim. <laughs> and, you, and you already told me to do this episode that we were going to have to reveal things about ourselves that I am not... Com- You're like a master at revealing embarrassing stories. Well, I've just revealed so much now that yeah. nothing's a secret. Even if I think something embarrassing, I think, well, then I think of something else and go, no, I already told that story. Yeah. So this one is nowhere near as bad, so I may as well just... Well, I have to tell the stories the first time, so I feel yeah. like I'm getting undressed in public. But, but, yeah. Well, that doesn't matter, Hamish, because you love point. being undressed in yeah, public. What I, what I, That's what like I, your favourite thing. <laughs> 
That is true. Uh, I'm an open kind of guy. I believe that if we share our stories, be open about our pissed up pranks and our wasted wrongdoings, we can help others feel less shame about the things they've done. Yeah, for sure. I basically hope that by being open about all my batshit crazy antics, the funny ones, the excruciatingly embarrassing ones and the plain dangerous, it might help others be more open about theirs. So today we want to dig up some tumultuous tales and be totally honest about some of our past comportment, Hamish, Mm. in the hope that you will not feel like a total weirdo. The truth is, people that have been drinkers of any level have got up to all sorts of loony behaviour and it's okay. We're here to tell you it's not you, it's booze. It sure is. That yeah. is to blame for all of those comportments. The point of this top, yeah, the comportments are it's blamed. It's such a funny word, it isn't is it? all my comportments. <laughs> that cheeky booze has a lot to answer for. It so does. The point of this topic, the reason we have built this temple of shame, is so you have a place to let that shit go. Burying your shame will give it power over you. It will eat away at you and make you feel like utter rubbish. So today, like a pair of naughty flashers, we want to expose shame, to share it, to open ourselves up about our flaws so they no longer hold us hostage. We hope that by doing this, it will help you shake off some of the shame that still lurks in your past and encourage you to move on from it. We want you to skip into the sober sunset with your head held high. No shame here. And if you are a cheeky flasher, put your knob away, please. (laughs) Yeah, put your knob away, for God's sake. (laughs) Let's start by finding out what shame actually is. People who experience shame usually try to hide the thing they feel ashamed of. When shame is chronic, it can involve the feeling that you are fundamentally flawed. Shame can often be hard to identify in oneself. Oh, that's why Alan was hiding those sweet wrappers then. He felt the shame. Because he's on keto, isn't he? That's why he looked all shameful. Oh, Quality Street, not. No, I don't think Quality Street are on the list. They're not on the uh, recipe menu, those. It's more like bliss balls. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which, as we've discussed, look a little bit like poo. Yes, they look a bit like rabbit poo, because they're made from rabbit poo, actually. <laughs> shame can be defined as a feeling of embarrassment or humiliation that arises in relation to the perception of having done something dishonourable, immoral or improper, which I've done a lot of. We'll get there, we'll get there. While shame is a negative emotion, its origins play a part in our survival as a species. Mm. Without shame, we might not feel the need to adhere to cultural norms, follow laws or behave in a way that allows us to exist as social beings. God, that's true. We need shame. We do, we need it. (laughs) Since we want to be accepted, shame is an evolutionary tool that keeps us all in check. Shame can be problematic when it becomes internalised and results in an overly harsh evaluation of oneself. This critique might tell you that you're a bad person, that you're worthless or that you have no value. And what's the one thing that causes us to feel shame more than anything else, Hamish? Comparing ourselves to the Kardashians. Oh, yeah, (laughs) that that is definitely true. No, the other one. Oh, um... Booze? Yes. The self-induced shame drug. Exactly. Now we know what shame is, let's open the doors to our house of humiliation, our abode of indignity, the shame shed, and find out how shame has affected Hamish and I over the years. Let's begin with you, Hamish, seeing as like today is the day that you're going to open up your naughty shame shed of horribleness. Great. (laughs) You're looking... If anyone could see Hamish's face now, he's sort of sitting with his legs crossed, rubbing his hands together, my, twiddling his thumbs. All of my body language is immediately shut, <laughs> yeah. closed. I wish, keep I, me wish safe. I had a video camera right now. <laughs> Go on, let it out, shame Hamish. Shamish. Oh, God. <laughs> That'll be my name yeah, for this yeah, episode, Shamish. Shamish. Shamish McShamishan. Okay, what do you want? You want three? Yeah, go on. Three stories. Okay. 
Let me begin with probably from memory. I think the first time I ever got drunk, I was young, young, uh, maybe. 13 or 14 and I remember I was with a mate we were sleeping on like a sofa bed a few of us having this sleepover before a big weekend you remember how on the old iPod you could do like a musical quiz yes yeah. so it would play you a few seconds of a song and it would give you a choice of three or four and it's multiple choice and you yes, chose a song yep. we were playing that and the, if you got one wrong you had to drink like a bottle of, of some sort of spirit that we were hiding under oh, the bed. Right, something really strong. Something strong, something right. that would knock me out now. And yeah. we were playing that for hours and hours and hours. And eventually I remember having to go and throw up at the loo, which is fine, that happens. What was bad about this was that my dad was also staying at the house. Oh, it was no. like a big weekend where all, I can't remember playing cricket or something, but yeah, something all the posh. kids, something really posh, yeah, shooting <laughs> and fishing or something. Um, so all of the kids, or opera, all the kids and all the parents were staying there. And I remember I spent the entire night sleeping on the bathroom floor thrown up and my oh. dad slept at my feet for the whole night because he was so worried about was you so worried about me oh, slept on the floor. and then it, the next morning I felt so bad we got in the car we drove home oh no so I didn't even do the thing we were there for oh, I, I've no. not really spoken to my dad <laughs> about that how old were you? 13, 14 oh really young. yeah really little God. and you know dad didn't tell me off about it but you know it was just the okay we, we better get going the and coming of age sleep on a bathroom floor oh with dear me. Next. Oh, the last time I've slept in the same room as my dad. Number two, Hamish. Okay, the second one is when you first asked me to do this podcast, I knew that at, at some point I'd probably have to tell this story and I didn't want to. Okay, so a fancy house, a big family that owned this house. And my parents met them when they were about teenage age and they sort of ended up meeting each other through that and get married. And then their kids have got kids our sort of age. So like my family has been going to this house. Oh, yeah, it's like for a big like house. Thir- yeah, yeah, big fancy house for yeah. years and years and years and years and yeah, years and nice. years and years. And we went there for an Easter weekend and all of us got very drunk. And I can remember in the middle of the night, I had to go from my bedroom to the bathroom to throw up. In hindsight, there was a sink in my bedroom. I did not see that. Anyway, I did not make it as far as the bathroom and I threw up all over the carpet outside my room. And I remember waking up the next morning, hung over as hell, hearing somebody scrubbing the carpet and I knew it was going to be the mum, the owner of the house. And for some reason, I didn't come clean. So the whole of the next day, I can remember we went like horse racing or something, and the whole of the next day... All the conversation was like, who threw up? Who threw up? Because to be fair, there was red wine in it and I didn't drink red wine. So it's okay. like, was it me? Well, but it's always carrot coins yeah. in, yeah, always, in yeah. puke and I don't eat carrots yeah, very often. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, was, I just lied about it. I was like, that wasn't me. It wasn't me. Even though it was outside my door, yeah. I was like, it was probably Hame. I can remember my parents saying, Hame, was it you? And I said, no, it wasn't me. Oh, and then the my shame. parents going to, you know, the owners of the house and yeah. saying it wasn't him. He, he said to us one-on-one, it wasn't him. <laughs> And I can remember it slowly eating away at me all day. And then that night during dinner, I broke down and went to the bedroom and then the, the mum came up and I had to just come clean. And you were crying? Crying. How old were crying. you? Um, 25? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I must have been 16. Because maybe. you felt such shame. I was ashamed that I didn't fess up immediately. Yeah. Even more ashamed that I lied to my parents and then they'd fought for me. Oh God, um, it's double shame, that is. Yeah. And you know, this was a house that, you know, like... We've gone for all of our generations. I want my kids to still be invited there sort of thing. And yeah, I I still, I honestly, I still think about that all the time. And and I've spoken to that family about it. And that was the party house. They had four kids. You know, it's always been big family and big cousins and Christmases and nieces. 
And they're like, hey, I don't know why you feel so bad about this. Yeah, like, this is not even. Yeah. Like, they, they've had a party where someone took a quad bike up the stairs, like, inside the house and up the stairs and crashed <laughs> into the wall. And they all signed the wall Yours next to the dead. lame. I just threw up on the carpet. Yeah. But yeah, I, honestly, I still think about that all the time. And I know it doesn't sound like that much. No, like, just throw up on the carpet. It's all but, relative shame, isn't it? I think that's yeah. what we're going to work out is that something that's shameful for one person might not be for someone else. Like for me, I puked everywhere all the time. It didn't make any difference. Yeah. And actually, a lot of the stories that got emailed to us do involve puke and shame around mm. puke and puking in strange places. Yeah. Something that's bad for you might not be so bad for yeah. someone else. I think like, it's the lines the parents. I think that is like the core of the shame on that one. Yeah, and see, I lied to my up. parents all the time. So like my shame with them kind of got disintegrated yeah. because it happened so often. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Okay, but, my, my last one. Yeah. The last one, I don't know if it's this, this kind of shame, but this kind of pride in that and it's joy. such a good story. Yeah, the title is The Stripper Story. Yeah. Okay, go on. So I'd been in Australia maybe a week. I went to a pub and a girl was sitting next to a, a friend of mine and she said to him, who's this guy pointing at me? And yeah. my friend said, that's Hamish. He's my clown friend. And she went, oh, what do you mean he's a clown? Oh, it's a clown school. Anyway, she was organising a hen do. So a few weeks later, she messaged me, you don't remember me, but I was at the pub and would you come and be a clown at the Hindu? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's not exactly what I do. That's a different type of clown. She goes, can you just come and be a waiter then? Oh, and can you bring your mankini into it topless? Yeah. I was like, uh, of course you were like, yes. of course you were. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I didn't take it. It was on a boat in the <laughs> harbour. Yes, I'll do it. I went to do it. Anyway, when the girls first arrived, they said, right, it was Hawaiian theme. Yeah. So I said, hey, can you give everyone a one of those Hawaiian necklaces when they lay. arrive? A lay, so yes. to speak. And um, kiss them as they arrive onto the boat. Yeah. Like, Before is, COVID, this, this was. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the best day of my life. So I did that. Then I remember there was quite an awkward moment where they were all... They'd obviously been drunk for a while and it wasn't like party drunk anymore. It was more like sitting on the roof of the boat at sunset talking about love. Yeah. I remember being like the only guy here and not them not knowing me and them talking about breakups and getting quite yeah. emotional. I felt a bit out of place. Well, so you'd I, already laid them and kissed yeah, them. So. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I went probably downstairs. felt quite, quite relaxed with you by then. <laughs> I went downstairs and started washing up cocktail glasses. Yeah. And then the girl that was organising it came down she goes, hey, the hen's really upset that I haven't organised a stripper. She oh. thought you were the stripper. Would you mind being the stripper? And oh, I was like, God. okay. Yeah. So they said, what we're going to do is we'll lie on your back downstairs and we're going to blindfold her and sneak her away. Yeah. And then we're going to put a pineapple on your penis and we're going to put strawberries up your chest and one in your mouth. And then we're going to lead her in and she has to find the pineapple and the six strawberries using only her mouth. <laughs> Are you in? I was like, yeah. Okay. I remember just like looking at the sky as so I'm So were you drunk at this point? No, no, no you were sober. Ah, yeah, I was pretty sober. Okay. And um, they obviously took forever to like cut the pineapple. So I'm yeah. like, they actually gave me one of those miniature versions of an inflatable pink flamingo yes. to put on my penis. And they Lovely. took a lot of photos during that bit. Yeah. Including from my mate who was at the pub who went, How's our clown doing? And they just sent a photo of me <laughs> with a tiny pink flamingo <laughs> on my penis. Oh, they would have um, loved that. And then, yeah, the pineapple came on and the girl came in and did the whole thing. Anyway, I've, never, I've never seen any of them since. And I remember waking up the next morning, because I, I did end up getting drunk. I remember waking up the next morning and like, did that, did that happen? What is going on here? Sounds quite nice. <laughs> yeah, in a way, it's lovely. Um, but yeah, also, I guess now I can call myself a stripper, which is shame or not shame, depending <laughs> no, on how you I look No, I don't think there's any. Yeah. So you're pretty much a stripper anyway, Hamish. Like, I don't think you should have shame <laughs> about that. paid pretty... for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe you should start getting paid for it. Be a good sideline. Yeah. Yeah. Hard Bring up hustle. your kid. Had a kid. A bit of stripper money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not?
but I feel like you're going to have amazing stories in this department. Well, there was, I was trying to like go through my brain and trying to think of some really bad shame stories, ones that I hadn't told on here already, because mm. obviously I've told loads on here already. So these are three that I came up with where I just remember the next day just thinking I can never, ever go out again because I am so embarrassed. Yeah, that's what we want. And one of them was a civilised cheese and wine party in France at my parents' friends. Isn't that funny? It's often the parents' mm. friends. For some reason, we care what our parents' friends think about yeah. us. That's odd, isn't it? I drank loads of red wine. I was completely wasted, crawling around under a table. Apparently, I was trying to dry hump a chair, like doing oh, humping movements God. in front of all of my parents' friends. And then I thought the lady, the host, was trying to get off with me. And I was saying, get off me. She's trying to kiss me. She's trying to kiss me. But she wasn't. <laughs> I was like completely out of it. Was everyone else drunk or was everyone else just Everyone else civil? was quite drunk. I think my mum was quite drunk as well. And we, I remember we had to sort of be led out of the party. I remember as I left, someone handed me a spliff, one of my parents' friends. <laughs> And I had a drag of it and then just started puking. And I remember in the, being in the bathroom and trying to wipe it up with a doily, like one of those ones that sits on, yeah, on the mat yeah, next nice. to the toilet, yeah, and just <laughs> failing. And my parents' friends never looked at me the same again. Although they were all big drinkers, so I think they thought of, sort of thought that I was quite cool. <laughs> were you like the only young one? Yeah, at I was the party? just with my parents at a party and I just yeah. got totally wacko. Sure. I don't know why. I just think I just thought it was boring or something. I thought I may as well just get pissed. <laughs> this is my favourite one that I hadn't thought about for a very long time. This is number two. I was having a party. I lived in France for a while and I was having a party and a guy came to the party I didn't know very well and he had a broken leg and he was on mm-hmm. crutches. And the party went on and a guy was sort of there and at one point he we noticed that he was really rather drunk and that he needed to go and be put to bed. But all the beds were upstairs and me and all my mates got together and we carried him up to bed with his crutches and put him in bed the next day Hamish I forgot about this guy right I got up at about 11 I went to work and then I went out after work and then I got home and realized we didn't have mobile phones or anything the guy was stuck upstairs in this room really (laughs) pissed off no really annoyed been there for like 12 hours or more including his sleep yeah yeah not being able to get anywhere because he couldn't. He was on his crutches. Who did he come with? I don't know. I didn't even know who he was. But in the end, guess who? I've, I found out who he was. He was the guitarist out of Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. I had locked the guitarist out of Van Halen in my parents' loft in their what? house in France for 12 hours. Yeah, he was really upset. Oh, my God. I know. How did you piece that together? Oh, just the next day, people said, oh, don't you know, that's the guitarist out of Van Halen. He missed a gig. They had to cancel a gig. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, sorry for those people who had the concert (laughs) cancelled because of me. The other one I came up with was when I was a teenager and I was out at a party with some friends, dancing and thinking I was looking pretty good. And then somebody said, what's that? And picked up a pair of my knickers off the floor of the nightclub and I'd gone out in a pair of jeans that I'd worn the night before and put new underwear on but I still had the underwear from the next day in oh, the jeans God. and they'd fallen out the bottom and I think I was only about 17 yeah, and somebody a guy fun. that was quite attractive picking up my dirty underwear from a nightclub floor and going are these yours uh, I remember being very very ashamed the next day in fact I remember to the to- running to the toilets and crying and that yeah. was Keith Richards yeah <laughs> yeah it was David Bowen <laughs> Whenever the shame shed comes up on the Cup of Community, there are always so many rapid responses. It just shows that sharing our disgraceful dalliances does make us feel better. People really do want to let shit go. 
So here, as a special gift to you, <laughs> are the top ten entrants into our vast, sober, awkward hall of shame. Let the countdown begin. Okay, at number ten, we've got Jane. She can't remember consummating her marriage and pissed in the bath on her wedding night. Lovely. <laughs> Unfortunately, her husband died, and she got so drunk at the funeral on toffee vodka she couldn't remember anything and was sick on someone at, at the funeral. funeral. Okay. On a second marriage, she drank a bottle of wine before the ceremony. She says she's got so much shame. Thankfully, now her and her hubby are both happy and sober. Oh, I love a happy ending. Yeah. We've got Dina, number nine, coming in at number nine. <laughs> Feels like the chart show, doesn't yeah. it? She feels awful after being really drunk. She came out of a nightclub and her and her mates saw a fire hydrant and a car with a roof hatch that was open. No. <laughs> yeah, no. and they didn't know whose it was. Her and her mates filled the car with water. They thought it was absolutely hilarious at the time, but the next day remembered what they did and felt terrible. That's bad. Okay, Reese has had a few. He has cracked his head open. He woke up covered in blood, got his head glued. He split his eye and friend, a friend of his did stitches. Classic. Um, on another night, he fell out of a tree and the ambulance wouldn't treat him because he was too drunk. And they also threw the TV off the balcony once. He said the shame is insane. We've actually got another one from Reese coming up later on in the top ten as well. Yes, number seven. A lady's cousin got kicked out of a nightclub. A lot of nightclub, end Always. of nightclub Always. stories, aren't there? She decided to take on the bouncer and tried to punch him, even though she's five foot and he was like seven foot four. <laughs> uh, and then she puked at a gas station nearby. She said all her friends remind her of this story all the time, even though it's 12 years later oh, and she still had shame about shocker. it. Shocker. Um, okay, this one, she wants to only be called KSJ. So it's a bit of a fake name, I reckon. So she had a day drinking and she blacked out. And the husband called the cops and the fire brigade. They thought she'd gone missing. Um, that was her last day drinking, though. It was 126 days ago. So well done to her. She says she now has an encyclopedia of shame. And there's too many to list. Yeah, I do have an encyclopedia of shame, too. <laughs> Pam. I wonder if this is Pammered. We've got a couple of guests whose nickname is Pammered. She's always got a few good That's stories. Good. She went to a very glam party and her 13-year-old son found her passed out on a toilet oh. in her lovely dress and took pictures. <laughs> she still gets goosebumps of shame. She always did the old vomit and pee. She did it in a taxi in Ubud once. The old vomit and yeah, pee. Yeah, it's a classic for women. <laughs> the force of the puke is too strong oh. and she had to wrap a sarong around her to hide her shame in the taxi. That's very common for women. You puke too hard and you wee at the same time. Oh, it's not just an Ubud thing. No, it's not just, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. just happen in Bali. The old vomit and pee in Ubud. <laughs> what the hell was a 13-year-old son doing with those photos? Oh, God, no. It's just a shame her, I yeah. should think. Yeah, yeah. Probably made her sober, though, actually. They'll come up her 70th birthday or get them yeah. on a Here big screen. Yeah, here you go, Mum. Okay, number four. Some of these stories are obviously funny, some are not. So, yeah, this is definitely one of the more serious ones. Shame is obviously not always funny. Um, so, yeah, one lady emailed to say a friend of hers was booked in to have an abortion and she had a violent partner and really needed a friend to support her. So she asked her to come to the hospital with her. But there was a pub nearby and she kept sneaking off for drinks. Her friend really needed her and she says it still haunts her to this day. She's nine months sober now, though, and she wants to remain that way. So it reminds on. me of a story, Haim, of me at university when I told somebody that I had been in a car accident because I hadn't gone to meet them to study 
this project that we were supposed to be working on together and the lie that I told. I'd never lied before. Mm. And for me, that was the beginning of, of me like going into more heavy drinking because I started to lie about my own behaviour and lie for the reasons why I couldn't turn up for places. Mm. And there was so much shame involved in that. I remember the next day thinking, God, I've told a really horrible lie there and I felt awful about it. When you next saw her, did you have to put a limp on? I never saw her again. I left the university. I was so embarrassed. I literally... dropped out of uni? Yeah, I dropped out of uni the next day. Like, pretty much next day because I knew that my drinking and drug taking was spiralling out of control and I had to get out of there. And I knew that lying... I'm not the sort of person that lies. And I knew that that lying was a sign that there was something wrong with me. Wow. I didn't stop me drinking, but it made me leave the university yeah. the next day. Yeah. That's serious. Yeah, I still carried on collecting my student loan for a year, though. Smart. <laughs> yeah, Smart thanks. investment. Yeah. Um, there was a lady who had a quiet night in with her boyfriend. I love this one. Mm. She couldn't sleep, so she got up and went to a bar, <laughs> met a nice young Spanish man, and then went home with him oh and slept gosh. with him. Got home, pretended like nothing had happened, said she had never done anything like that sober. No, that's awful. That yeah. is bad. And he was just asleep at home. So she had to come back before he woke up and yeah. then play it cool. That's, <laughs> that's ballsy. Okay, number two. This one's from Kirsty. She said she passed out at a mate's house after a night on the Terps and she woke up to someone chewing next to her ear. <laughs> I don't want to say this. She was horrified to realise that she'd puked and her friend's dog was chowing down on her hull. <laughs> God, the oh, realisation. At least a dog can't retell the story. Oh, that. Yeah, at least yeah. it's a dog. Yeah, she could have kept that private, that one. Yeah. But <laughs> let it go, let it go. My favourite one is Reese again. Hello, Reese. I hope you're well. He was quite shy originally about sharing his shame, but then he got into it and was like, yeah, I'm going to let it all go. Him and his mate got really drunk and they branded each other's bottoms with a clothes iron. <laughs> I don't think there's too much shame to be had there. I think that's a classic. We need a photo. Don't yeah, we? we need a photo, yeah. Reese. Come on. <laughs> What's a top 10? Some are funny, a few are sad, and many sound painful, particularly that one, Reese. Yes. So now that we've shared our mutual fuck uppery, how do we feel, Hamish? Does knowing other people have done silly things too make you feel a little more content? I don't know about content. I definitely feel a little bit more exposed. Yes. Um, But I do hope that by revealing myself in this way, um, I might be able to connect more with you, with listeners, with others who who have also got shame stories. Um, Because I think, yeah, listening to those top 10, you do realise that we all have these, right? Anyone that's drunk has has got these. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I, I guess I feel slightly better in that I feel like I've got no secrets, you know, that is the worst of me. And although they might not sound too bad to to some people, and I'm sure many people have got far worse, it's nice to get it off my chest. Yeah, it is actually, because it does make you realise that everybody is the same. Everybody that's drank has gone out there and done some crazy stuff and it sort of helps you understand that you're not mad. Yes. Yeah. Also, none of us are perfect. So we can all just bond over our imperfections instead. And I think that's a trend that's starting. I notice on Instagram, people are starting to be vulnerable Mm. and share their stories and share their pain. There's always people crying on Instagram and stuff and they're the posts that get the most like because people are like, actually, well, that's like me. I am like that. I do have depression. Mm. I do have mental health issues and I do carry a lot of shame. And for people out there, even like influencers and stuff, to be sharing that, I think it's a really good yeah. thing. And not all this fakery and all this rubbish that, that the Kardashians, for example, put yeah. on us. How does it make you feel? It just makes me feel good. I'm not as mad as I thought. We say you're not a problem drinker, Hamish, but it doesn't mean to say you didn't do stupid things or alcohol didn't impact your life in a negative way. It did. 
it does everybody. And that's what's interesting. No matter what level of alcoholism you are, alcohol does still affect you in different ways. And that can be a negative way. And I think the communal shame feels like a warm hug. It actually just makes me feel more relaxed and more connected with people to know that they're all as mad as I am. And that's fine. Vic, you often say you've got no regrets, but how? How are you able to not feel shame about some of the outrageous things you did when you were a binge drinker? Here's the thing, Hamish, the magic, the little nugget of wonder that has rid me from all of my shame and how I no longer suffer with painful pangs of regret. Enlighten me. I have no shame now because I understand that those stories, those acts of inebriated indecency, are the doings of someone that was not well. Someone that was heavily under the influence of a drug. Let's be honest about alcohol now. It is a drug. Basically, I may have looked like me, but it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. Those behaviours do not represent me as a person, the person I am now. That was a person who was heavily sedated off her tree, doing things that she would never have done without booze pumping around in her bloodstream. That is not me. So I don't have shame about her. So what you're saying is that the drinker you is not really who you are. Absolutely, 100% correct. So it sounds to me like you're saying you were a monster raving loony that did lots of crazy stuff. Yep. A person that was intoxicated until sobriety showed you who you genuinely are. And this has allowed you to look back at that person with some empathy. Yep, Hamish. I feel sorry for her and understand that she didn't know any better. So therefore that rids me of that shame. Yeah, I love the way of looking at that. It makes all your behaviour completely forgivable. Exactly. And that's where you can let shame go. Understand it wasn't you, it was booze. Nothing was ever done out of malice or unkindness or stupidity. It was done because alcohol made me do it. This allows clemency and compassion towards myself. It softens the blow and lets me move on from some of my past indiscretions. Understanding it was the addiction that made me act in a shameful way allows me to liberate myself from it. How about you, Hamish? How are you able to leave shame in the past and live without regret? Well, I haven't been able to totally adopt your approach to shame just yet. I think I still do blame myself rather than the booze for a lot of my actions. And although a part of me would like to go back and undo a lot of those actions, I feel as if I might not have learnt from these mistakes if yep. I'd not committed them, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense, yeah. So yeah, Mo, Mo Gorda actually talks a lot about this quite beautifully in his book, Soul for Happy, which I'd recommend to everyone. Oh, it's, I haven't read that one. He is astonishing. Okay. And he speaks beautifully. So if you don't want to read it, get the Audible. It's got a Mo lovely... Gordat. Yeah, beautiful okay. Egyptian accent. Oh, it's amazing. But yeah, he, he's got sort of an equation for happiness. But yeah. he's got a really painful past. So he he lost his son. His son was 21 or so. In a way, he blames himself because he drove him to one hospital and he could have driven him to another hospital. And he went in for a very basic operation and a number of things went wrong and ended up costing him his life. Oh, dear. And, but when he talks about this element of it, of effectively... He's done lots of studies on this and he talks about, you know, I think it's something like 99% of us, if we could go back and not do the things like this, these mistakes, would we? Mm. He says 99%, I think, I'm misquoting, but something like 99% actually wouldn't. You know, those mistakes moulded us into who we are. And he says even him, he wouldn't go back. He would still, in a way, want his son to, to be dead because of yeah. the effect it's since had. You know, he's I think his aim is for this book or for this message to reach a billion people and make a billion people happy. And if the price to pay for that was losing his son. God. Yeah, it's, it's, honestly, 
it's just the way he talks about it is astonishing, and that sounds cruel. Yeah, um, but it's not. He's, he's oh, honestly, what he's saying is like guy. you learn from your mistakes. We need these mistakes, and as you painful evolve. As they are, yeah, and then you can help others with what you've learned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. which is you kind improve. of what we try and do on here in our very small way is to say, look, we we've done these things, and we do regret some of them. We do feel shame over them, but this is what has made us who we are today. Yeah, yeah. We're so nice to our parents, friends now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't dry hump table legs anymore. <laughs> well, occasionally uh, on a Saturday at about six pm, if you put if, a table next oh, to me, if it flutters his eyelids at you. Yeah, you'll, you'll hop on. I'm in. I'll hop aboard. <laughs> <laughs> so these memories are still painful to think about for me, and even to voice them on here is quite difficult. Um, and although they might not sound much to some, along with a few of the other stories I've told during the series, these are my most vulnerable and my most painful memories that still sort of haunt yeah, me fifteen, linger. twenty years yeah. later. So I think. I feel as if I might regret talking about them on this and having them recorded for all to listen to until the end of time. But I hope that they might also in some way, somehow help someone along the way. Exactly. That's the whole point. That is the sober, awkward message. Our fuck uppery can help others fuck uppery. <laughs> we need to get that on a bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> so who knew that by just being honest about our shame, we could free ourselves from it? It's enlightening, Vic. I know, right? There are some other practical ways to recognise shame and release yourself from its grip too. Let's run through those so the listeners have every tool in their kit to rid themselves of this annoying feeling. Okay, so firstly, identify the source. What is it that's making you feel shame? Is it alcohol? Is it people? If it is the people that are making you feel worse about yourself, it might be time to question those relationships. Yeah. Brilliant advice. Acceptance. Healing from shame requires accepting that you're not perfect and neither is anyone else. Everyone makes mistakes and these flaws do not define you or make you unworthy of being loved or respected. Absolutely. Challenge your thought patterns. Stop shaming yourself for living. Remind yourself you are allowed to be happy, allowed to enjoy life and to ignore your minds telling you to be ashamed. This will be a vital step in overcoming shame for good. Yeah, because basically that's saying that we are creating the shame. You don't have to feel shame about these things. It's just your own mind, mm -hmm. you know, doing funny business on you, isn't it? Yeah. Forgive yourself. Long-term healing from shame and addiction requires finding the strength to forgive yourself if you've made a mistake or acted in a way that doesn't reflect who you want to be. Discover your self-worth. This is possibly the most important step in your journey to overcoming shame. Stop thinking of yourself as a loser or worthless and start finding value in your thoughts contributions and presence. Experiment with activities and hobbies that make you feel confident and surround yourself with people who elevate your sense of self-worth. And of course, obtain professional help. We always drum that into you on this podcast. Getting help in the form of therapy or counselling will not only help you deal with the negative emotions you experience besides shame, but could help you get through each step listed above more easily as you're guided by a professional you trust and have a built-in rapport with. I guess it's important to think that these things happened, you know? Like, yes. There's no undoing them. You can torture yourself about them all you want, but yeah. no good can come from it. No. Just try and move on, try yeah. and forget or accept and learn from them is, is probably the best advice you can give. Yeah, because suffering in that shame is not going to get you anywhere, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, this it's too shall pass. Yeah. I love these practical tools we give people, and it's really helping me understand why people choose the sober life. It isn't about giving up the booze, is it? It's about finding out who I am. Yes, and I love it that you're learning on the go, Hamish. I'm going to quote myself today. Makes sense. I'll, we've done Gandhi. Yeah. We've done Bruce Lee. Yeah. We've done... Um, Oprah. Great Oprah. It yeah. makes sense that you are next, really. 
Well, it's only because I wrote a line for my book this week that I thought was relevant to this okay. podcast today. Tell us. So this is the sort of quality of my book. I'm expecting Gandhi. Yeah. <laughs> it's not war and peace, I can tell you that. <laughs> Just because I've woken up wearing one shoe with twigs in my hair and the haul from the deadliest catch multiplying in my underwear, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what you're going to get if you ever buy my book, whenever it comes out, anyone, hopefully in the next year. Anyone that listens to the podcast knew there'd be some sort of reference to crabs or STDs yeah. in your book. Listen, that's more than one. That that's should a... be the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should be, actually. Uh, what I'm trying to say by that is my past does not define me. And that's a really important <laughs> message to get out there to all the lovely Sober Awkward listeners. We could have just, that could have been the episode. Yeah, we could have just it? said that. My past does not define Today's me. Today's episode is about shame. The past does not define me. Thanks for listening. Move on. <laughs> Move on, motherfuckers. <laughs> Let's finish with a quote from someone unlike me that knows what the fuck they're talking about. Dr. Steve Maraboli. Okay. He says, the truth is, unless you let go, Unless you forgive yourself, unless you forgive the situation, unless you realise that the situation is over, you cannot move forward. Gosh, that is so, such a good one, isn't it? It's very He said it clear. in a better way than he what does, we yeah. said, yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the deadliest catch multiplying in his underwear. <laughs> right, Hamish, I'm going to have no more shame about the fudge I'm going to stuff in my face hole tonight. What about you? I've decided to not feel any shame about the amount of fudge I'm going to stuff up my bum hole tonight. Oh, face holes and bum holes. All the fudge. All the fudge and all the holes. All the fudge holes. <laughs> I love finishing this podcast in such an upbeat way. Close Thank your you. eyes, picture that. <laughs> Join us next week. And carry on about your day. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. fix has got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it, and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Amish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? I don't know, just write it on the